0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Soccer 101. I'm Taylor Rockwell, and on this episode, we're going to be taking a deeper look at the law changes regarding national team eligibility that were authorized at the 70th FIFA Congress in September 2020. I will admit that is not the sexiest title to begin with, Uh, and this may seem like more of a niche subject than, say, what is pressing or why are Bayern Munich so good, but it's a topic that could have some major ramifications on international soccer. So let's start with a very simplified explanation of the new rules. The first big change relates to eligibility for naturalized minors and how long they must reside in the country before being able to play for their national team. The second relates to stateless persons and the amount of time that must pass before they could represent their country of residence. The third relates to changes of nationality request, and that, in my opinion, is the big one. But let's take them in order, starting with naturalized minors. Prior to the 70th FIFA Congress, any player that was naturalized had to reside in their adopted country for at least five years after they turned 21. That is the key distinction. This meant that, say, a 17-year-old who became a naturalized citizen had to live in that country for another five years after they turned 21. So it's like 17 to 21, and then five more years on top. That's a bit unrealistic. The new rule establishes a series of ranges based on age and residence. A good summary comes from Stars and Stripes FC. For individuals who moved to their adopted nation before the age of nine, they must reside in that country for at least three years. So, nine to twelve, you're good. For those above the age of 10 but below the age of 18 it's five years uh, so long as they did not move there solely for the purpose of playing for the national team so you can't just move to a country specifically to play for them there's got to be other reasons as well Uh, but what that means again is that if you move there when you're 15 you can now represent for the national team when you are 20 a good change for those who move after the age of 18 it's just five years The second rule change, as I understand it, is more of a clarification. The previous rules did not account for stateless individuals, which could be a person stripped of their nationality for whatever reason, or more often would be a refugee in a new country. The new rules would allow stateless persons to become eligible to play for the country where they reside, so long as they have lived there for at least five years. This effectively removes the citizenship barrier, which in certain countries can be almost impossible, and even certain countries is absolutely impossible. So you can still play for that country, even if the citizenship hurdles are in place and prohibit you from getting that citizenship, you're still able to play for the country. Thumbs up there. The third rule change is, as I said, the most major, in my mind at least, and it's one that could have a variety of different impacts, especially for teams that rely on dual nationals, which is most nations. It may sometimes seem like it's only the United States who relies on dual nationals to strengthen their squad, but it definitely is not. The fact that the U.S. is frequently in a heated rivalry with Mexico and increasingly with Canada demonstrates this fact precisely. But what happens if a player played for one country but then wanted to switch to another? Again, it might seem like a thing that the U.S. exclusively benefits from but there are plenty of other examples miroslav klosa was born in poland but holds the record for most goals scored at a world cup with germany tiago Motta, diego costa were both born in brazil but the former played for italy the latter people for spain the process for how that switch occurs is the most important aspect of this change Under the old rules, a player who made an appearance at a youth-level tournament or in a friendly at senior level could then make a one-time switch to represent a different nation. So if you played for the United States in a friendly and then things didn't work out, you didn't really like it, uh, and you wanted to switch to Canada, you could do that with a one-time switch. However, a player who had appeared in a competitive senior national team match, let's say a World Cup qualifier, was then locked into that national team. So to summarize, if a player had played in, say, three friendlies, he or she could still switch, but one game in World Cup qualifying or the Nations League or the World Cup itself, European Championships, Gold Cup, what have you, Then you're locked in. If you're new to soccer and have heard the phrase cap tied, that means you're now tied to the national team because of a career appearance. You can no longer apply for a one time switch. It also used to mean you actually got a hat, I think, but that also may have just been an English tradition. I'm only vaguely confident was actually a thing. So we'll just move on swiftly. That's how it used to work. We'll talk about how it is now in just a moment, but first a word from today's sponsor, ExpressVPN, who would like to remind you, and I'm going to say this in the least frightening way possible, that your internet service provider can see every site you visited, even if you use incognito mode. Even if you clear your history, it doesn't matter. I'm trying to say it with a smile. If you're in the UK, your service provider is required by law to store all of your metadata from the last year. If you're in the United States, I'm just going to assume that they're doing that anyway, so a law isn't necessary. It probably does exist and likely contains the word freedom somewhere in there, if I were guessing. But switching away from government surveillance for a moment simply put, no one needs to know you're, say, overly fond of Cartoon Octopi. I'm going to phrase it that way, unless you're maybe like leaving it open during a Zoom call or screen capping and then posting it to Twitter accidentally, which I believe happened fairly recently. Uh, If you want to help protect yourself from that level of intrusion, ExpressVPN is an app that reroutes and encrypts your internet connection through their secure servers so your internet provider can't see the sites you visit, emphasizing cannot see. I'm sure they will love the transition from Cartoon Octopi to their mission statement, but such is life. I've been using ExpressVPN for over a year, and I am genuinely a fan. It protects 100% of your data with best-in-class encryption. It's easy to use. It requires only a tap of one button to get connected, and it stays connected, which is the key thing. No lagging, no buffering. I have had other services that do disconnect or do slow down. You can tell that you have activated the VPN with ExpressVPN. That is definitely not the case. If you'd like to give ExpressVPN a go, you can head over to expressvpn.com/soccer, and you can get an extra three months free on a one-year package. That's expressvpn.com slash soccer, expressvpn.com slash soccer to get an extra three months on a one-year package. Thank you very much to ExpressVPN for that mildly frightening sponsorship. Now let's get back to some rule changes. So we've covered what the rule used to be. Now let's look at what it is today. The new approach makes things a bit more straightforward and then also somehow slightly more complicated at the same time. Here's the new wording, which I will go through slowly. Players may now switch national teams, provided they were eligible to represent a second country at the time they first played for their first country, even if they have played in an official competition for the First Nation. This applies so long as they have no more than three matches, including friendlies. None of the matches were in the final tournament of the FIFA World Cup or a confederation competition, and they all happened before the player turned 21. Pay attention to that very last bit about being 21, because it will be very important later on. So... It used to be that if you played for, say, Germany in a friendly, you could switch. Jermaine Jones knows that. If you played for Germany in a World Cup qualifier or a Nations League qualifier, you could not switch. Now you can. The only competitions that lock you in fully are the World Cup or any continental competitions. Let's keep it going. Let's look at a hypothetical. Let's say we have an 18-year-old footballer with a Dutch mother and a Belgian father. Spicy. The player was eligible for both national teams, but elected to play for the Netherlands for whatever reason. Let's say they always loved Ronald Koeman. Who knows why? They go. They play a couple qualifiers. or friendly. Then Kooman leaves. Frank de Boer comes in. Dislikes the player for whatever reason, and now that player is frozen out. He was under 21 when all of this went down, and never played for the Netherlands in the World Cup or a continental competition like the Euros. So even if all of his three appearances were World Cup qualifiers, but not the official World Cup, if he fought a one-time switch, the move would then be permitted. The real-world example that most articles point to is Munir El Haddadi. The Barcelona Academy product, who now plays for Sevilla, was born in Spain and was an emergency call-up to their national team for a Euro qualifier in 2014 after the aforementioned Diego Costa withdrew due to injury, not due to kicking people. Uh, Munir was a late substitute and got 13 minutes in a 5-1 route of Macedonia. That was his last call-up for Spain. However, Munir's father was born in Morocco, which meant the player could have played for their national team in June 2017, he attempted to do just that. He was called up by the Atlas Lions. However, both FIFA and the Court of Arbitration for Sport denied this request, given that he had played those 13 minutes. A grand total of 13 minutes meant no more. When this rule change went into effect, the new rule change we've been talking about, it was expected that he would immediately benefit, and he did indeed apply again for a one time switch, which was again rejected because he played for Spain's U21 team after he had turned 21. Remember, Got to be under 21. Uh, It is slightly confusing given that the U and U21 stands for under, but that's a separate conversation. For the United States, the new rule changes, particularly the third one, represent a bit of a double-edged sword. For the longest time, if the U.S. pursued a player, but he or she chose to play a game for a larger power like Germany or Brazil, then that was it. Now there are more options. Much as I would like to believe that everyone chooses the United States out of a supreme love for Eddie Pope and the 2002 World Cup, the reality is that the United States national team is second choice when it comes to possible career highs, a player could experience uh, for every Sergio Dest, there's a Giuseppe Rossi or Jonathan Gonzalez. I'm sure I will get some uh, feedback on that one, but. I guess what I'm trying to say is I can't really blame an 18-year-old dual national who was born in the United States, moved to France when they were five, was raised in France, has played in France, and now wants to play for the world champions. But I also wouldn't blame them for wanting to switch to the United States if, say, a coaching change meant that they only got 13 minutes and nothing else, or just it wasn't the right fit. It didn't end up being where they wanted to be. I don't love the idea of a player being locked in for the rest of their lives because of that choice. The other interesting aspect of the wording here is that it seems to indicate that a player who has already filed a one-time switch can then switch back if they have not played for that country more than three times before they turned 21. It seems kind of odd if you can undo a one-time switch. I feel like we need a new phrase or a new term because it's not really a one-time switch anymore. A good hypothetical example of that, and I'm stressing the hypotheticalness of it, would be Jonathan Gonzalez. That's a sentence that no doubt made at least one person listening to this podcast groan audibly. Gonzalez was born in the United States, played for the national team at U17, U18, and U20 levels. He then filed a one-time switch to represent Mexico in January 2018, but has since only featured in three friendlies for them in two and a half years. He could switch back, though that seems very, very unlikely. I think he has publicly said he doesn't regret his decision, though it's worth noting he said that before this rule change went into effect. But basically, because he's played those three times, Even with the one-time switch, if he doesn't get any more, he is still eligible to switch back, but he plays one more time, no longer. And again, I don't even know if that's a thing he's considered. I doubt it is. It's mostly just that it's the most recent example I could think of of a player who did that one-time switch and that it didn't immediately go quite well. Uh, And if you'll forgive me a moment of editorializing, maybe I already have, but I'm going to continue it. I really, really love this rule change, Uh, not just because it codifies things for youngsters and displaced persons, but because I think it's more fair to the players in a number of ways. Firstly, it reduces the risk of players being pawns and nothing more. If you're trying to stockpile all the best talent, if you're a national team that wants to make sure you don't lose out on any players, giving them one cap in an official competition or World Cup qualifying or Nations League qualifying meant that they were locked in, even if you never called them again. So you. And sort of call somebody in and then you've got them locked in. That's it. It's not the best managerial policy, but, you know, some people go that way. Now federations will need to be a bit more mindful about the process or risk losing a now highly motivated talent to a potential international rival. Secondly, I do also think it's more fair to a lot of players who are having to make monumental life choices at increasingly absurd ages. I I can't speak for all of you out there. I'm sure some of you have had your lives together always, but a lot of my fundamental beliefs at the age of 16 or 17 are not the same as they were a few years later, certainly not what they are now. So I can sort of understand the allure of playing for Germany or Brazil if you have eligibility, if you could get caught up by those teams. It's always going to be there, and I can't really blame a teenager for having stars in their eyes, nor I should say a Mexican-American who identifies with both nationalities and is torn between the 2 You're not one or the other, you're always both. It gives players a second chance. And even if it comes back to bite the U.S. men's national team at some point, I think I'm okay with it. I say that now, we'll see what ends up happening. But I like the idea of people choosing to represent the United States because they want to, it's what feels right to them, as did Serginho Dest. But I do also kind of like the other idea of people coming to the United States when things didn't work out with this country or where they thought it would be for the rest of their lives. They come here, they bind to the team, they like the atmosphere, they like the teammates. I think that's kind of what the United States is supposed to be but again that's just my editorializing uh, and on that note that about wraps it up for this week's Soccer 101 which I will admit was a bit more like an intermediate class with a little bit of opinion thrown in but it's easy for stuff to get lost between the very legalese way the rules are currently written and the way they're understood uh, by us non FIFA normals so it felt like a topic worth exploring hopefully you all agree uh, if you are new to this podcast you're also welcome and encouraged to check out the rest of our episodes in which we explain what the numbers on the backs of the shirt mean, why it's called soccer in the United States, why Pele is just so famous, lots of other topics in there. But for now, I've been Taylor Rockwell. This has been Soccer 101. Thanks so much for listening. We'll speak to you again soon.